When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Third and goal. Ball on the four yard line. Cousins in the gun. Three by one to his right. Saints showing pressure. They bring pressure. Lob it to the back of the end zone. Touchdown, Kyle Rudolph. Hold on, Myron. I'm tweeting something before we start. Here's what okay. I'm tweeting. I'm off for the next five days, so we are about to get absurdly reckless. You okay. ready? Reckless speculation. Okay. So yesterday, Rami Maklov on Score North Live asked me how the Vikings could acquire Tom Brady. And I know what your reaction is. It's, oh, yeah, sure. How can I go to space, right? Like, just not yeah. going to happen. Okay. That was my reaction as well. But I said, all right, here's the way you could do it. If maybe you signed him to a contract extension that lowered his cap hit and then you traded him to San Francisco and they cut Jimmy Garoppolo or traded Garoppolo to New England, then you could get it done. You could get Tom Brady if he wanted to come here. If Brady told you, yep. I'm coming to Minnesota. You guys make it work. But okay. the biggest roadblock in my mind was that it would be a big dead cap hit for the Vikings to trade him away. So then someone on Twitter informed me that there was a way to figure out exactly how much cap space is moved to the other team or dead cap space to you mm-hmm. if you trade every player. Most of the time, it's the same as if you cut him. So if you cut Stefan Diggs, you incur a $9 million dead cap, and the same if you trade him, which is why, again, it makes no sense to trade Stephon Diggs. So most of them, when you do this little click, click, and check on overthecap.com, usually the same. That's how you figure it out. Clicked on Kirk Cousins, this Twitter listener, Justin Rochester, showed me. And if you trade Kirk Cousins, it's only $1.5 million dead cap. $31 million if you cut him but only 1.5 if you trade him. Now, he does have a no-trade clause. But that becomes somewhat interesting for getting outrageously reckless and talking about whether there's any argument to try and see if Kirk Cousins would be interested in being traded somewhere. Well, let's go beyond that. It's going to happen. Brady to the Vikings is happening after what you just told me. Yeah, I'm in. I I mean, the no-trade clause kind of... Take some of the shine off it, but that's interesting though. That you know, 
trade feels like. And you wonder, you know, if Brady obviously is sort of just uh, we're just kind of talking, but like, is that a move you consider? Because a guy like that, if you can find someone who feels like he's a better fit for them uh, and you get their guy in exchange, like maybe it works out for for everybody. That's that is fascinating. I, I didn't know that. And this goes along with Jeremy Fowler, who's going to be on the station later today, saying there's a mystery team that is interested oh, in Tom Brady. Look what you're doing, we've man. We've got a mystery team. So who are the team? The biggest teams now are what? Vegas, we've heard. Yep. He, um, uh, not Houston. The, um, the other team that used to be Houston, Tennessee. Okay. Um, San Francisco was thrown out there. I've heard that. That one's a hard one to believe. But Jimmy Garoppolo, if they trade him... Yep. They only take on a four million dollar dead cap themselves. It's interesting that we're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo like we did going into the twenty nineteen season when everyone was like, "Hey, here's how easy it would be to get rid of him after the mm-hmm. year." And now that conversation is still happening. Well, that's, that is interesting to me uh, because if it were realistic, you would have to explore, right? Like, I mean, you, there, there's no doubt about it. This is the same team that admitted to calling Drew Brees just in case. Yes, when, when Drew Brees was a free agent. Before they ultimately signed Kirk Cousins, they made the phone call and said, Hey, Drew, just in case, just in case yes. New Orleans treats you dirty, why don't you come on up here? And of course, he ended up going back to New Orleans. But this is the team that got Brett Favre. So everything should always be on the table after Brett Favre ended up playing for the Minnesota Vikings. Yes. The last thing I want is for my NFL team to be loyal in today's market. It just doesn't exist. You just can't think of teams that way. Like this is, especially if you're a contender, you're trying to be a contender. Anyone to me is replaceable potentially. Obviously the cap matters a lot. You can't just do anything you want. But if there is a favorable situation and you can get a great player who might not have more than a year or two playing great, I don't care. I want to win a Super Bowl. That That's what matters to me. Like I don't care about five, six years from now. Like that'll come. Let's win a Super Bowl if we've got the pieces to do it. And you bring in a Tom Brady, there's just no doubt you would do anything you could. And he'd come in and be the starter, even if it were one year. Mm-hmm. You take that. Yeah. And especially if you're thinking that Kirk Cousins is going to ask for too much when it comes to contract negotiations for an extension, then you'd be talking about a quarterback on a one year deal anyway. Yeah. Now, I have an extra level of reckless. This isn't, this isn't that. Jonathan, uh, do you just want to preemptively hit the reckless speculation button? Reckless speculation. Let's say that San Francisco wanted Kirk Cousins. That's the one team that he would waive his no trade for to go play with Kyle Shanahan, a team that just went to the Super Bowl. Normally, he wouldn't do it for anybody else. You're not trading me to Miami. But I will go play with my buddy Kyle, and it's nice out there in San Fran. And Kirk Cousins is one of the only human beings who can afford to live in San Francisco. That's, that's so, true. So uh, he would love, get a one bedroom. Love to be what he's making. <laughs> right. Be nice. He could be on the sh- tiny houses show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with his eighty-four million dollars contract, room. he might need a roommate still. So he can. Uh, so let's say that he tells you that's the only team I'll go to. Okay. So you call Kyle Shanahan. He says, oh, "Let's do it." And I'm going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to New England because Tom Brady's signing with someone else. Uh, and Brady signs with the Titans because Teddy Bridgewater oh, is no. coming back. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's oh. right. That's right. That is, you want that, that is a you? Friday level of recklessness. That's your hope, isn't that it? That even is too far for me. Um, well, I don't know. I, it doesn't matter to me either way. But 
in terms of what Vikings fans would love and what Mike Zimmer would love, Tom Brady or Teddy Bridgewater would get his nod over Kirk Cousins, I think. Oh, they they would both get a parade downtown. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. T- Teddy's would be kind of teary-eyed. I mean, that'd be a whole nother emotion because of everything. Uh-huh. Yeah. But Brady, oh yeah, Brady would get, there'd be people handing him Key to the chicken city. wild rice soup, you know, his way. Cities. You know, their favorite IPA they just brewed in their basement. Like, he, he'd get the full He would get a treatment. parking spot in St. Paul. But yes, but, but it is fascinating to me, right, that we now look at that position. Unless you have a generational kind of quarterback and there just aren't that many guys, right, who you go, you get to stay as long as you want. You're Patrick Mahomes. You're probably going to do this to your 40 or older, right? Drew Brees, guys like that. Everyone else, it feels like you're kind of just playing in the moment. I don't know what's going to happen next year. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings have done, I mean, that's been their reality from Bradford, Case Keenum, and Cousins in many ways, if you could have treated him that way, you, you might have made a move. If he doesn't have $84 million guaranteed, who knows what might have happened. So I think it's just fascinating that Brady is a free agent at a time when everyone's like, yeah, you just got to win now. Like, nobody cares about three, four years from now the way they once did. No one cares about long-term situations mm-hmm. because we're all going, here's the window, we're trying to win now, and that's the only thing you can think of. This is the only year that I could also think of where this would ever be a possibility because of the sheer number of quarterbacks who are available. Yeah, there's a lot. If I mean, when Kirk Cousins comes available, think about what his resume was in Washington. He was largely a backup mm-hmm. who got in and was a 500 quarterback as a starter who had some good numbers on really talented offenses, and he was highly sought after. Yep. A bunch of teams are calling on Kirk Cousins. The Jets want him. Denver reportedly wanted him. San Francisco, before they got Garoppolo, was desperate to get Kirk Cousins out there with Kyle Shanahan. So a bunch of teams were really interested in Kirk Cousins, whose resume was just, you know, okay. okay. And he looked like a starting quarterback in the NFL who, if you build a great team, you might be able to win with him. But, yeah. you know, even it's sort of played out that you can only get so far with him. They didn't give him long-term money. And he they gets kept the biggest contract ever yep. at the time for being just that good. And here we are a couple years later. Teddy Bridgewater goes 5-0 and when he gets in for the New Orleans Saints. And if he's good to go with his knee, he's a franchise quarterback. Yep. Tom Brady is arguably the best quarterback to ever hold a football, a deflated slightly football. But okay, it, all right, that's not necessary. Right. I'm from Buffalo. I had okay. to. Um, but I understand. You know, so he's all of a sudden on the market. Philip Rivers might still be able to play, and he's on the market. And then there are other guys too who are interesting, like Mariota, like yeah. Jameis Winston. Which those guys got to be upset, right? If you're Jameis Winston, sure, you're they like, would have been getting a job. I picked a sure. terrible time. Uh, to, to be throw available. 30 picks also. Yeah. Uh, so He's that, balling, though. Remember that. Little bit, that. Yeah, I know. little bit on him with the 30 picks. In fact, almost all on him. But yeah. to your point, if he was a free agent three years ago, in the same time Kirk Cousins was, someone would have paid him a ton of money and said, yes. we can fix Jameis Winston because everyone is so freaking desperate. This league once paid Elvis Gerback a bleep ton of money to go to the Baltimore Ravens because yeah. they were desperate. And now you have all-time great quarterbacks and franchise quarterbacks who are on the market, which could potentially, it may not, it probably won't. That's why it's reckless. But it could potentially change how the Vikings view things. Because if in 2020 they are all about winning 
They're all about being all in still. They still believe as an ownership, a front office, a coaching staff. Certainly as a coaching staff, we know they, they would. Every coaching staff thinks they'll win. But an ownership and a front office that if they believe 2020 can still be our year, we'll fix this defense, we'll create some cap space, and we'll upgrade the quarterback position and we can get ourselves over the top that way. I mean, why wouldn't you talk about it in a market like this? You would. The same way that you talk about other positions and trying to upgrade. Well, I think I think you have to. I mean, there's going to be a guy who threw for 5,000 yards who might not get a starting job in the NFL this offseason. Like, that, that's the yeah. market, you yeah. know, which you wouldn't see that a couple of years ago. Here's, here's what it tells me, and here's why if you're the Vikings, you have to really have any and all conversations about that position. Tom Brady is going to get whatever job he wants Yep, because there are a bunch of teams in this league that feel like they're one elite quarterback away from winning it all. That's a big difference from the good quarterbacks, which Kirk Cousins can be that, right? But there's such a divide between the guys who you're like, okay, that dude can be great mm-hmm. and my guy. My guy who's good, but... He's not going to carry us to the championship. He's not going to carry us to the promised land. And that's your Kirk Cousins, your Garoppolo's, guys like that who are pretty good, mm-hmm. but you don't think they have maybe that next gear in them. And it just says so much about not just the value of that position, but how much teams are willing to do if they can upgrade. Yep. Like, that's the game. That is the entire game, which Minnesota thought it was doing after Case Keenum, right? That was sort of the mindset. But teams are on, and I think this is sort of a more recent thing, because uh, there's less patience in front offices. Like, if you're the Vikings right now, and you're Spillman and Zimmer, you don't have the ability to talk about what happens next offseason. You don't have the, you've yeah. got to figure out something now. If yep. you have a lack of confidence in that position, you've got to really think long and hard about what happens there. But Brady's, you know, forget the age. We know he can still play at a high level. But the fact that there are teams, Tennessee, just had one of the more miraculous postseasons we've seen. One of the more miraculous second halves of a season mm-hmm. that we've seen. And they're like, oh, Ryan Tannehill? <laughs> Listen, if we can get somebody better than him, step aside, we're going to bring him in. So that, to me, is is the difference. A bunch of teams have Kirk Cousins. And they know if you can get a guy who's just a step above that, Yep. and Brady's a couple, is more steps above that, but if you can get like a guy who has the potential to be great, even as for a couple seasons... You do everything you can to get that guy. And keep in mind, we don't know currently the status of Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman in terms of their contracts. And yep. if you are the front office, you could very well let them go into the last year of it and just see how they do. And even though ownership put out the statement at the end of last season about we're very confident in them and so forth, we want to go forward with them. If your ownership is in a position where they're putting out a statement about your status that already tells you what your status is. Yes, right. it ain't good. And if it's a two-year extension, it's still a zero year. Because most of the time, it's a a zero-year extension for everybody. Mm -hmm. Matt Rule in Carolina signed, what, a five-year contract? They could fire him after a year. They've, they could. they've got the money. If they really wanted to, fire him after a year, fire him after two. We've seen lots of teams paying all sorts of money to people who aren't working those jobs. Yep. And so even if it comes out eventually that Zimmer and Spielman are extended for two or even three years, the hot seat still exists. And they know that at this point. Because when you've been together for a while and you've reached your peak and it looks like you're coming down from that peak, that's when people start to get anxious about their jobs, and reasonably so, because in the NFL, they just fire you. <laughs> they, yeah, there's they, no conversation. Unless you work for the Steelers, they don't stick with you through yeah. any of that. So I guess let's just be 
absurdly reckless here. It's supposed to be really nice this weekend. You know, it's supposed to hit the best six, weather 60s yeah. of the year by far. Best weather almost in a long time. Makes me feel extra reckless about yeah. talking about this. So let's talk about two. Go for a hike or something. Two. Brothers don't go for hikes. I was going like to say. I do. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, I'm, I'm out there, man. People give me funny looks, but I'm out there. I see mm. you. I didn't know. That's me in the sunglasses. I didn't know that that was a, like a racial thing. No, like I, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't see a lot of brothers oh. in the path. It's just me. I invite everybody. Mm. Everyone should go hiking. <laughs> it's a really great pastime. Okay, because I knew that there there are certain things that you could say. Well, they, Ice they fishing. wouldn't do I don't that. See yeah, right. Out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I I didn't know hiking was one of them. Actually, no, I, I do know a dude, a guy who ice fishes. <laughs> no, it's oh, Minnesota. Fishes, yeah. Minnesota kind of absorb. You know, Minnesota. We yeah. all kind of pick up stuff that maybe. Well, I know brothers that ski and do stuff yeah. that you would yeah. maybe think of. Okay, and you know, like go to hockey games. All ki- oh yeah. man, hockey's great. Hockey live hockey is one of the better sports, like spectator sports. Yeah. Like this, to be there for, I mean, that's one of the cooler in game kind of vibes. Always high energy. We could continue this conversation we can. off the air, probably, but yeah. it would be one of the places where, one of the few places in America where a hockey game you would see a little more diverse yes. amount of people. Well, and you grow up with the culture. You'd see a certain energy and imagine, it's not going to happen, right? But imagine what would happen to this fan base if someone like a Brady showed up. Imagine what that would do to a fan base that has just been waiting. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been here 20 years. And throughout that entire time, this fan base has been waiting for that guy. And I come from Wisconsin, where we were lucky enough to go from Don Mikowski, who who actually had a Pro Bowl year. The Magic Man. Magic Man. But to go from Favre to Rodgers, which is not fair, it doesn't happen. (laughs) So there was never a period growing up of like this anticipation that this guy has to come and show up and save the franchise. But mm-hmm. here, for the last 20 years, that's exactly what it's been. And right. I can't imagine how frustrating that must be to go through two decades of like, you just want to settle in and be mm-hmm. like, okay, forget 10 years, man. We got to do for the next five years. And we trust them. So if you even just imagine it for a second that Brady is pulled off somehow. That cousins, oh, dude, you, you, just imagine it for oh, a second. Man. Cousins gets traded to San Francisco. Garoppolo's back in New England with Bill Belichick, and Brady says, "I want to play with Thielen and Diggs. I've never wanted anything more." And Antonio Brown's coming with me. <laughs> oh. All right, maybe not. No, I don't think. I don't think that's. But imagine you are in that locker room, and you're I don't know somebody who's been through this with a different quarterback all the time. You're Thielen, you're Diggs, you're yeah. Kyle Rudolph, you're Harrison Smith. Imagine being Harrison Smith, and when you're on the sideline after having done your job, you're looking out there going, okay, well, uh, Case Keenum, is he really going to do this for yeah. us? Like, uh, we're going to have to bail his ass out probably. Yeah. You know, Sam Bradford, and does his knees work? And, oh, here's Kirk, who turtles every time things gets pretty tough. Yeah, Tom Brady walks into your locker room. I mean, the the amount of energy that would shoot through oh, the organization to get someone like that would just be out of this world. So we agree that we would do that. 100%. Right. No one is saying no to Tom Brady being the quarterback yeah. of the Minnesota Vikings. Even if it's right? a year. I think it, it would have to be a year or two. Probably two. I think he's probably asking $35 million a year for two years, which yeah. your salary cap is already set up to handle a quarterback that wants a lot of money. So that one we're in agreement on. How about the other ones, though? If let's just say that Kirk Cousins said, you know what? I don't have a problem with it if you trade me. I'm getting paid either way, and I, you know, send me to someplace warm, maybe. No. Yeah. 
you guys can do it. Go ahead. Would you trade him straight up for Jimmy G? No. I think I would. Why? Because I think Jimmy G's a little better. How much better? A little. But his enough? contract is more favorable. Okay. His cap hit is five or six million less. That's okay. like a what bottom of the barrel corner. Cap bit? Yeah. Well, it's it might get you over the top to sign a guard. Okay. And is I that, think is, he gets rid of the ball faster. I think he's a little more of a baller. It didn't show in the Super Bowl, but he was up 10 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, get a stop on the other side. Don't allow a third and 15, and Jimmy G wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. He's he's 21-5 and five as a starting quarterback. He's, that's, that's pretty good. He's better than Cousins. Yeah. But I don't know if he is that much better to you know, position this team to go out and like their hurdle is, can you get to a Super Bowl? Like that's the conversation. Can he win a game? Sure, he can win a playoff game. Does he do more than that with this team? I don't. I'm not convinced that Garoppolo is that. You you are giving him a pretty good offensive setup. And you also had the number one defense in the league, right? You had a really well number two, great defense, sure. Uh, which which helps a lot of the pressure that a guy like that faced it all does. season. And in the championship game, he got to hand off a bunch of times, but yep. he also had to beat. Good quarterbacks in the regular season and good teams in the regular season to get to that point, including Russell Wilson on the road in the final game of the year. Yeah, so, I give him credit for being a good NFL quarterback, but I think if you're four percent better than Kirk Cousins, is he? I think so. What does four percent even I, I mean? Four percent. What does that mean? That's four, a really weird number. Four percent means like five percent. Five. Are you that dude? On fa- are you that dude on Family Feud? I, I, yeah, you're that guy, oh, I'm right? Definitely that guy. You are yeah. that guy. Like, yep. are your prices right? You're like the guy yes. who bets yes five hundred and twenty eight dollars on a yep. sofa. That dude. Uh huh. Yeah, that's me. Um, but that I dude do, shouldn't be on the show because the it's a small percentage between average quarterbacks, or let's just say quarterbacks who are between the seventh and fourteenth best. It is a small. Where's percentage. Kirk on that? Where's Kirk on that scale? I think Kirk is more toward the twelfth best quarterback in the league, but it's not really about that for me. It's about how do you win in the NFL, not where can you rank by certain numbers or even PFF grades necessarily. And Jimmy is good at a lot of things that help you win. It, when you needed big throws for the 49ers, when you needed to beat Drew Brees on the road, forty-eight to forty-six, he did that. Does Kirk do that? If their defense in that playoff game gives up 46 points, are they winning that game? Like, probably much, not. How much credit are you giving Jimmy, though? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, I understand that the folks who are extreme and going, okay, he did nothing. It was all the run game and defense. I'm not in that camp. But I am in the camp of everything around him certainly contributed to what he was able to do. So for me, I see a guy going, okay, offensive line that you don't trust here. You bring him in. How does he handle that? You've got uh, a running game that has been hit or miss due to injury. You don't have the depth that he had in San Francisco. And the defense was better there as well. So you're asking Jimmy Garoppolo to do more uh, with less with, in some with, regard. But how much more? Because you're giving him two elite receivers, one of the best running backs in the league, two good tight ends, and you can draft an offensive lineman to try and improve the O-line. Well, that's a big question, though. I mean, to you're try to improve the offensive pretty, line. And Gary Kubiak. You're to try to, a pretty great situation. To try to improve the, the offensive line, which has been something that they've been trying to do for a long time. Uh, and then defensively, I think that defense was ferocious, right? I mean, that defense was one of the most terrifying defensive units in the entire NFL. And I think he played with a level of confidence that uh, I don't know that he would have to the same degree. And I don't know how much of a difference he makes. 
That's that's my challenge with Jimmy G well, in this situation. I mean, we're how still, much better is he? Yeah, we're still talking about a Vikings defense that was fifth in the NFL in points allowed and will continue to be good. And I'm not sure how much we can really equate the two to to each other. Like the defense to Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm sure it helped him to some extent with field position and confidence, probably. Um, but I think if you're looking at the two situations for what you can give a quarterback, they're comparable for different ways. I mean, San Francisco doesn't have anyone who can hold a candle to Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs, especially yeah, healthy, Diggs. yeah, when they're yeah. healthy. Yeah. Um, Kittle is great, but you have two good tight ends, and Irv Smith looks uh, like Kittle's he's next level. Great, yeah, no, he's he is a great he's a great player, but you also have. Delvin Cook, who is a special running back. They had running backs who were filling in and were good, but Delvin Cook can carry you to win games at times and can turn a screen pass into a huge play. And you've got Gary Kubiak, who has made every quarterback better, including Kirk Cousins recently. So do they win the division with Jimmy Garoppolo? I think they do. I think here's, here's my biggest argument for Jimmy G. He doesn't have games that are so bad you can't win. Like that Packers game that you've referenced a few times with your frustration with Cousins, Jimmy G wins that game because... Even if the Packers are bringing it, even if they're hitting him, he finds a way to get 20 points that night. He finds a way to get rid of the ball quickly. Like He's a guy that gets rid of the ball a little quicker. He hits the back foot and lets it go. He's got a quick release. And, and he just has a little bit of this baller mentality that is maybe not existent so much in Kirk Cousins. Yeah. I guess I'd push back in saying in that game, uh, the run game, what, I mean, you have Dalvin Cook hurt. The, the run game isn't there. So how does Jimmy Garoppolo do in that scenario? I think he has a better chance of winning that game, but I also and think... That's, and that's the point right there. Does he have a better chance of winning that game? Because there were a few games during the season where your quarterback play was so bad, you had no chance almost no matter what you did. Yeah, who has a higher ceiling? I mean, I think... Um, I don't know what you mean by ceiling. Do you mean like... I mean like ceiling. I think that they beat... They both beat the teams they're supposed to beat. But Jimmy, in his career, has beaten teams he's not always supposed to beat. I agree with that. And Kirk has not. I, 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 That's I the difference for me. Yeah, We can break down the small percentage difference between, well, they have Mike McGlinchey, and he's pretty good, and yeah, you yeah. Uh, don't have you know whatever this or that, or they have this. But I think if you were talking about best supporting cast on offense, you're probably saying San Francisco and Minnesota are close. Oh, oh definitely. I, I just, for me, when I think of upgrade... Jimmy Garoppolo does not come to mind in terms of major upgrade. Not because, major, because, but, the, but just upgrade. But I guess I have to use the word major because what's the what's the goal? If it's to be a playoff team, sure. But this is a team that is in, has been in the middle of this now four-year window mm-hmm. where the goal has been to compete for a championship. And they yeah. get to the NFC Championship. I mean, they get to a, a chance to play San Francisco, which goes on to the Super Bowl, and just get destroyed, right? They play the Eagles in the NFC Championship. They get destroyed. So, to me, when I think of major upgrade, I think of is there a guy against those teams at that stage that's the difference? And I don't know that Jimmy Garoppolo is necessarily It it feels weird to me to not say he's not. Major is a hard word to use because Garoppolo has some of his own limitations. But when Kirk Cousins wins a playoff game, they acted like it was the Super Bowl that they oh, won. I agree. It was exciting. I, agree. And I'm, I don't blame them for being excited after Try the game. being in East Lansing when but it happens, it which was... I was, and fans are going crazy in the media room. Sure, yeah, right. I mean, that, that it was, wow, he actually did it. Yeah. We're Shut about, everybody up is we're, what people say. We're talking about him who's been in the league since 2011, and he wins his first playoff game, and people go crazy, versus a guy who was 
literally in the Super Bowl. I yeah. mean, and had a lead in the Super Bowl because he played really well to get them to that lead. And we're saying, oh, I don't know if he's an upgrade over Cousins. Like, I, that's hard not to say that he is. Oh, no, I know he is. No, I'm not arguing that. He is an upgrade. The word major is what I'm emphasizing. Yeah. He's an upgrade. Well, even if he's it's a an better upgrade, quarterback, I, do I would do it just for an upgrade and a little tiny bit of cap space. But I think the maybe another question about Kirk Cousins in that regard might also be, okay, if you take a step down, quote-unquote, how much of a difference is there? If you bring in a Jameis Winston, right, and somehow you've got the guys behind him, and you have, he's with Kubiak, he's with a guy who has mentored and developed young quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the past, uh, you you have a better culture, perhaps surrounding him, a fresh start, whatever you want to call it, yeah. and you take that talent, because there's talent there, there are there are a lot of weaknesses there too. Yeah, but there's talent there, and you put him around these weapons. What are the chances that he goes and is comparable to what we've seen from well, a Kirk Cousins? No, I think this is an interesting point because let's use Mariota instead because Winston's going to throw a million picks. Yes, and go he will. Eight and eight or seven and nine or whatever. But Mariota, Kirk Cousins went in year one, right? Let, eight, let's, seven and one. Let's say Mariota is kind of a Case Keenum like. Yeah with a little better actual running ability than Case Keenum had, but still the same sort of, I'm going to take off if it's not there and that kind of thing. And he was on pretty decent Titans teams, a playoff quarterback. He won a playoff game against Kansas City. It took some flukiness, but but he did, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say that he comes in. How much different is it than Kirk Cousins? Probably not a ton, considering that the Vikings have only beaten two winning teams the last two years with Cousins as their quarterback. So if you look at it through that lens, it does appear that Jimmy Garoppolo would be quite a big upgrade. If you think that someone else who's just okay could probably win the same amount of games, and Jimmy G just won 13, and a lot of them were against good teams, and a lot of them his defense did let him down, and he had to step up, like against the Rams too, where he had to make a big-time throw at the end of the game. Those are the things that we haven't seen here. And so I think if Kyle called... Shanahan and said, yeah, will uh, Kirk wave his no trade clause and come here because I love him more than anything? I think you might accept that trade. Oh, I think they'd accept it. I just don't know how much different the end result would be. I'd love to see it, but I don't know. To, to me, what's I think your to chances me, what's the bar? are marginally better. They're, I guess they're only a little bit, but it's a little bit. I guess but I wonder what the it. bar is, you know, what, what what's the bar? And it seems like sometimes it has shifted, right? But this is a team that has invested like a franchise that wants to win at the highest levels. I think no matter what move you make, if we're into the conversation of, could you actually move Kirk Cousins for this, 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 or this? Anything that gets me closer, I'm taking. Anything that gets me 4% closer, I'm taking. I'm not sure that Jimmy gets you more than that, but if it's a little bit and I get a little bit of cap space, I'm, I'm taking it. And it's not even about whether Kirk played well or whether you can win some games with him or get deep into the playoffs. You probably can. But if I get 4% better, I'll take 4% better. It's not Brady. It's not someone giving me Mahomes. But I've got to do it to try and get as much better at every position. I would do that for a receiver. If you told me a receiver was 4% better than B.C. Johnson, I'd say, like, all right, give me that receiver then because that's what we're trying to do here. All right, we're way late to the break, um, but let's come back. And Patrick Mahomes said something that will blow your mind, but also I have part two to this revelation with Kirk Cousins' contract situation that sort of opens the door to us having fun being reckless and talking about a trade today. Part two of this, and then Mahomes 
What? When we return uh, here on Purple Daily. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. And Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local Federated marketing representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North Download. The boys, Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament continues all weekend long with semifinal and championship round action. From the XL Energy Center, follow all of the action today and tomorrow over on 45TV and online at 45TV.com. Caller, I know we were doing some uh, reckless Kirk Cousins speculation and Tom Brady was a part of that. Where was, where's been the location that I've wanted Tom Brady to go the most outside of the Vikings? We know, Jonathan, you want every player to go to Vegas. Yes, absolutely. Because you think that will be fun, even though the Raiders should never have moved to Vegas. <laughs> That's true. Oh, well, Mike Garofalo doesn't seem like... Doesn't sound like that's going to happen. He has a different quarterback going there. I am hearing that the Raiders are going to add a veteran quarterback. That is extremely likely in the in the next couple of weeks. Is that quarterback Tom Brady? I would say it's unlikely based on the conversations that I have had. So I would say if there's no Tom Brady, then some other veteran quarterback that's going to be out there. And I'll actually give you a, a, a name that I think you should watch here based on what someone told me. That is Marcus Mariota here. And we can go back and see what Mike Mayock said about some of these guys when he was working for us at NFL Network. And I went back and checked. Where did he rank Mariota? Oh, that's right. Number one over Jameis Winston in that draft. So you know he has a high opinion of him already. Uh, And it would be an interesting situation if he did wind up with the Raiders. That's a much more disappointing name than Tom Brady. Sorry, Jonathan. Yeah. All right. That's been your score North download. Back to Purple Daily. All right. Here's my other question, Myron Metcalf. We were talking about this revelation, this discovery from a Twitter follower, Justin in Rochester, who tweeted me about um, the trade implications with Kirk Cousins. And he has a no-trade clause. So, you know, just put it all on pause. It's not likely if I were putting down bets, I would say I could put way more cash on him signing a contract extension to say with the Minnesota Vikings than doing anything else, than hitting Mm -hmm. the market eventually. So we're being reckless on purpose for the sake of talking about this. Um, when it comes to Cousins, though, in this no-trade clause, do you think he would waive it? Like, does Kirk Cousins want to be a Minnesota Viking for life, do you think? Mm. Or do you think that what matters to Kirk Cousins is that he gets the top deal? Or that he, you know, plays with the best team that has a chance to win? Like, do we have any sense for what would be important to Kirk Cousins? That's a very good question. We don't have much of a sense. I do want to go back on something, though, with the Raiders. Uh, a rapper named Yuckmouth, who was in the Loonies, I Got Five on it, actually did a song about the Raiders where the theme is from the Bay to L.A. to Vegas. He predicted it, just so people wow, know. That is incredible. Did this in the mid-'90s. It, it, it did happen. It's like the Simpsons uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of fascinating. Trump is president, I think. So the Loonies uh, actually predicted this years ago. But I don't know what Kirk Cousins wants. Money isn't an issue for a guy who's going to collect $84 million. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody wants to win. I think the question has to become, what's the market in terms of his ability to find a better situation 
where he can win more games because that would entail him having more talent around him. And there just aren't many situations that exist in the NFL that would give that to him. Like all of those situations in the NFL, those guys, those teams have a quarterback and that quarterback is better than Kirk Cousins. So to me, to waive the no trade clause, it, it would be a matter of, I just don't want to be here. I think we've peaked and I want to roll the dice somewhere else and, and see what happens. But to me, it can't be about joining a, a better situation because that doesn't exist for him. Like no one's taking Kirk Cousins if they're a contender. Sure. So unless you have a really bad quarterback situation, if you're Chicago, but they couldn't afford him and the Vikings wouldn't trade him to Chicago anyway because yeah. he's in your division. How many organizations, though, putting aside who their quarterback is, would you, if you were Kirk Cousins, accept a trade to? So they do this in hockey all the time where they'll go to a player and they'll put it in his contract that when it comes time that we might trade you, you can pick eight teams that you absolutely don't want to go to. And they usually write the Canadian market teams because they tax more or something. Yeah. You know, but uh, if you were cousins and you were making, we could easily make the no trade list. Like, don't trade me to Cleveland. Don't trade me to, you know, whatever. Who is on the trade list? So if you were Kirk Cousins and you were making a list of, say, a half dozen teams where, you know what? If you guys wanted to do this, then I would accept a trade to these franchises. Who would be on that list for you? I mean, and based on him replacing the guy who's already there, you don't, that, you don't have to worry. You're Kirk Cousins in this scenario, so you don't have to worry about whether you're placing that guy or not. You're just saying organizations that I would go to. But I'm saying these organizations will keep the present talent that they have, and you get to come in and play that position? Yeah, well, you would assume that, let's just say if it's at Los Angeles is on your list. I feel list, like I'm not playing this game the way you expect me to. to. I feel like I'm putting in too many well, because it's not really for you to be that concerned about. I know. Like, if you're trading me, Kirk Cousins, to the Rams, yeah. you assume that they're going to get rid of golf okay. if they're trading for I you or you. not trade for you. So you're only telling the organization. Vikings, here's who I would accept a trade to these organizations. Seattle, clearly. Uh, Steelers, one of the best organizations out there. We know what New England is. I think that's easy. I'll throw you a curveball. Green Bay. You want to talk about organizations? I think uh, Matt LaFleur coming in, it feels like uh, he's going to be the right guy for for that job. From from there, just from an organizational standpoint, I don't know that Kansas City is a is a good organization, and obviously they won the Super Bowl, but in terms of when I think organization, they don't necessarily come, come to mind. Um, Would you accept a deal to Dallas? Uh, Matt, no. No, you wouldn't want to do that? Well, only because, like, the Jerry Jones thing, man, makes it hard on everybody. And it just, the idea that there is an owner who also controls personnel uh, in sort of this, like, system that doesn't exist anymore in the league and at a social media world where you are, he's undermining you mm-hmm. every week. Right. That's got to be hard for everybody within the organization, it's going to be hard for Mike McCarthy. Like Mike McCarthy saying all the good thing, all the right things, and uh, it'll be hard for him. What about Indy? Would you accept a trade to Indianapolis if you were him? I think I might. You got a great coach, or a really good coach at least. It's I a think good city, good city. Um, it's an organization that has won the Super Bowl and has had great quarterbacks play there before and succeed. 
It's a good fan base. The division you can win certainly is. Um, I, I go to I go to Indy. I mean, to me, it might almost be easier to make the list of places like you would say I won't go. Right, like Miami, Cleveland. I just thought that Miami. those were kind of yeah. obvious. Yeah, is the ones that where you would accept a trade to? Would do go, any of them match up with teams that need quarterbacks? Is really the question, question that's that I'm trying to ask. Would you go if, to Philly? If, if um. I would say yes. I don't think that Kirk would go to Philly. I think I would because I grew up in the East and I like that stuff. You know, I like yeah. insane fans who throw full beers. Like, you shouldn't yeah. throw full beers. But, you know, that's sort of the place where I came from. They jump through flaming tables yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And like, that would be okay with me. I don't think Kirk would do well that with that. That scares as a, a lot Midwesterner. of people, yeah. I know that's normal for you all, but that kind of scares yeah, me. Yeah, it is, it is scary even if you're from there. But, you know, that's just sort of life as it is. The Bills you wouldn't go to, the Jets you wouldn't go to, the Bengals, that that sort of thing. Giants? Eh, maybe. I mean, it is an organization with a proven background, but their general manager might be a psychopath. So yeah. I'm not sure that I would do that. The, the, the I guess the point of the matter here is, if the Vikings walked up to Kirk Cousins and said, we'll allow you, here's the deal, we want to trade you, we've got a few things cooking, but we need you to tell us who you wouldn't go to or who you would be okay with going to. Write those down, and then we'll talk about potentially waiving your no trade because we want to go in a different direction, whether it was Tom Brady or whether it was Teddy Bridgewater or whatever. But would you be okay with that? Do you think that Kirk would say, guys, absolutely not. I love Minnesota. My family is getting raised. It doesn't really seem like that for him. does not seem like he's that kind of guy. I think that he would say probably on this same contract, where can I win potentially this year? And also who's going to pay me the most. So that matters. Indianapolis has a ton of cap space. Yep. If you went to Kirk and said, we'll trade you to Indianapolis. They're going to give us our first round pick and we're going to draft Jordan love, whatever. Uh, Overrated prospect, but yeah, he is, but whatever, you know, I just threw out somebody yeah. that wasn't Tua, or we're going to trade up to get Tua. However yeah. it's going to go. It doesn't matter. We're going to replace you. That's our plan. They will sign you to a contract extension worth $38 million per year. Will you accept that? I think if you're Kirk, you say, all right, pack it up. Let's go to Indy. Yeah, I think I think he would do that as well. I think another factor is if you're Kirk Cousins, do you think that better days are ahead? Like, are you going to, if you sign a three-year extension, are you suddenly going to win, be a 12 or 13-win team mm. within that time frame? So I, I think part of it has to be also, does Kirk feel like he's peaked here? So this is a great part two to that same question, is who would you think, you're not Kirk in this, you're just you, Yeah. who do you think has a better future next, let's say he was going to sign a three-year contract extension. Okay. So what teams in the league have a better three-year outlook than the Minnesota Vikings as we stand right here? Because that might be the list of teams that Kirk Cousins would go to. I mean, if it's Indianapolis, I think they do have a better three-year outlook depending on who they get as a quarterback. If it's Phillip Rivers, it's probably not necessarily because it's just going to be a one-year type of thing. If Indy had a had Kirk Cousins, three-year outlook would be good for them. Yeah. Better with Kirk Cousins than I think the Vikings because of the cap space, the young players, the offensive line. And even draft assets now as a seven and nine team, they can draft higher than the Vikings. They have a better three year outlook if they had Kirk Cousins than the Vikings do. What other teams are on that list? Would be my question. Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee has a lot of pieces in place. I, I like where they are. Their, their next three years. Um, 
San Fran's going to lose some pieces on defense, but I, but I think they'll be good during that stretch as well uh, over the next three years. Does Cleveland count? No. Or do they have to prove us they count? No. They have to prove to us they count. they got to prove something beyond hitting people in the head with helmets. That's not yeah, good. Yeah, no, that's not good. But he's back, though, and nobody noticed. Um, no one noticed. It was just sort of like, welcome nope. back. He's back. And uh, we're time you almost killed somebody? Do this in Me February either. so we don't have to talk about it later. Yeah, just do it now. I might say Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay with Kirk Cousins yes, has a better outlook than the Vikings. Yeah. I, like, to me, the challenge with Jameis Winston is he was terribly inaccurate, right? But if you look at what they put around him, like, that to me is the sneaky team in the NFC. Like, who's going to get better on an upgrade? It's going to be Tampa Bay because, like, everything is there for Tampa Bay to suddenly become a playoff team, just make some dramatic improvements. I, no, I, I love Tampa Bay. I, I think they are they're right there um, in terms of upgrading that position and maybe changing just the outlook of that team. What about the Rams? I don't know if they're in that boat. Like, I don't know that they have a better three years. I don't think so either because they have no draft assets. Nothing. And when you trade it for Jalen Ramsey, you're going to sign Jalen Ramsey, and I'm sure he's going to continue to be good at football. It's a big deal that's coming to Exactly. So now how are you spreading out that other money? And you have Todd Gurley under a terrible contract, and you get rid of that. How do you rebuild the offensive line after Andrew Whitworth retires, whether it's this year or next year, whenever he goes? That's a really tough one. Plus, their defense is sort of just, it's got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, and the rest is disarray um, because they're not going to be able to afford people because so much money is poured into two or three players. I don't think that they have a better three-year outlook. Uh, Arizona might, but the reason that I think Arizona does is because of Kyler Murray. So if you put Kirk Cousins on Arizona, I'm not convinced they have a better three-year outlook. How about Los Angeles? Rams. Uh, No, Chargers. I was thinking of them. How about Austin Eckler getting that? Getting paid and Chargers saying, "Oh, Melvin Gordon, okay, we'll see you later, man. We're, We're gonna, gonna let us know how this free guy agency times, yeah. <laughs> let us know how free agency goes after you held out. I think they uh, think probably get more money. I think they're probably around the same because they're, they're comparable. They're in the same division as Kansas City, though, which I wouldn't want to be. Well, it's an interesting thing, and I, there has been zero rumors or anything else about Cousins. Well, let's start and, some. You know, this is as close as we can get, but." I think there's a lot of other conversations to have with his contract extension of whether he wants one and whether this team should be the one to pay him a contract extension when there are other teams that have better three-year outlooks than the Vikings if he's still their quarterback. If you polled that locker room anonymously, what percentage would say, yes, sign Kirk Cousins to a three-year deal, let's go out and win and see what happens He's a really good option. What percentage would say do something? Because if you can, if you have a chance to to upgrade at that position, uh, we want to see some. We want to see it. I think they have to know what the do something is. I'm sure, but according, I mean, if they if they're they're saying. Vikings go out and upgrade to the position. Let's say everything aligned for them to be able to do that. I think a lot of people in the locker room would be take it or leave it. It, it would be, you know what, if you're going to sign him, that's okay, we, but we need a lot more stuff around him. And if you're not, that's probably okay, too. That's how I think the locker room would view it. The locker room last year was a little, the first year, I think all of them went, what is this guy's deal? He yeah. is not like Teddy, and he's not like Case. But once they got used to his personality just being quite a bit different, 
there was a little bit of defiance about him because he was over-criticized at times last year. I agree when, with that. When he apologized to Adam Thielen, sure, it was kind of a goofy thing to do, but it didn't deserve what it got. I mean, the, the national media went crazy, and I think the players sort of recoiled a little bit on that and went, hey, okay, all right, he's a good quarterback still. And then after they won a playoff game, then... I think the locker room would swing a little more toward, well, okay, we won one. We can win more than that. But they also see what we see. One thing that you learn from being around these people is that the things that you think as a fan, the players often think, too. They just don't ever want to say it out loud. Yeah. Um, Before we part ways and we talk with uh, Eric Eager on the show, he wrote a really cool piece, so I decided to double up on Pro Football Focus guests this week. Patrick Mahomes said something kind of scary. Uh, I didn't understand how to read defenses until like halfway through last year. I understood coverages, but how to be able to pick up little tendencies defenses do, stuff that Brady and them have done, they that they, they know they it and they just yeah, do second it. Second nature. I was just plain. And then this year I could, I could actually recognize more and more stuff. And I think the more experience and the more I learn, then I'll be able to go out there and call plays and do that different stuff because – I've seen it, and I still think there's a, there's a long way for me to go there. And that's where mentally I think I can get better. Physically, I feel like I've I've done a lot of stuff. I always work on the fundamentals and doing that stuff. But I think mentally I can still take my game to a whole nother level. So that was from LeBron's show, right? Yeah. Which is called what? What is it called? Uh, the Shop. The Shop. Okay, right. Short for Barber Shop. I figured that out. I didn't know, you know. The Buffalo. The, I don't well, know if, like, I also go of. to great clips, so what does it matter? That's but yeah. um, anyway, so yeah, I did figure that part out, and uh, it it's got you know a bunch of people talking um, sort of can more candidly than they normally would yep. in the media, and Mahomes saying that he has really started to understand, and, and this is true for all young quarterbacks. This isn't Mahomes saying, "Well, I didn't even try before." No, no, he did. It just takes a while. That's why rookies are often awful in the NFL because they don't know anything in comparison to being in the NFL for two, three years. And then by the time people are veterans, they're like, yeah, I knew nothing as a rookie or as a second year player. But if Patrick Mahomes continues to get smarter about Uh the game, um, I, I want you to answer this before you go. Three and a half Super Bowls over under for Patrick Mahomes. I take the over. No question. I think I might take the over too. You have to. That's like in the AFC. I mean, they must be all looking at each other. They're like, Brady finally got old. <laughs> yes. And now we got this. You got this Are guy, you kidding man. Me? This guy talking about getting better. And compared to 20 years ago for Brady, there are more tools available yeah. for him to get smarter. I mean, there are, he has access to things that didn't exist 20 years ago. That's a scary statement, but I also loved his honesty and the fact that this is a guy who's going, yeah, man, I got strides still to make. I'm still improving. I love that. You know what I like, too, is that people are now, with all the access that we have to things like this, understanding what the intelligence part of football is. And Deshaun Watson goes uh, at the podium last year and explains really a pretty simple coverage concept in the media, and it gets shared everywhere. Like, whoa, this guy, he really knows his football stuff. And And that's like the fourth grade version. And... It just shows you how vast of knowledge you have to have to understand how to play this game and why it's so difficult to figure out who's going to be good in college to the NFL because you don't know who's going to be able to make that jump in intelligence. And it's been my experience around NFL players that when you push them a little bit on the the IQ part of the game and things like that, that you really realize, wow, this thing 
This is complex, and you have to be really smart to get this. And you've got offensive linemen running 5-1. <laughs> you've got linebackers running 2-4s. Yep. Scary league, man. Yeah, it is. So, anyway, that's great. Uh, I can tell you who's winning the next several Super Bowls. Um, but another level for Mahomes. Scary. Great. Uh, Matthew Collar, Myron Metcalf. Myron, always fun to have you in. Yeah, man. And uh, we're going to talk with Eric Eager next. He wrote a really cool piece about defense and what that tells us about the Vikings' direction and how we should view defense in the NFL in 2020. And we'll have Zolgad in for more reckless speculation at 3.30 because it's Friday. Why not? All right, we'll be right back here on Purple Daily. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Giants go for it on fourth down. Last gasp. And the pass is intercepted. Anthony Barr picks it off. Intended for Golden Tate. And Barr just caps off what's been a strong game for the Minnesota Vikings defense. Hey, that was another thing before we get to Eric Eager that uh, I should mention about trades and cap hits and so forth. I threw a bunch of trades at Judd yesterday, and one of them included Anthony Barr. And the cap implications would not be great for the Vikings. They would only create a small amount of cap space in the first year, but in the second year it would be significant, and in the third year even more significant. And plus, maybe you could find someone that was bringing more value to your defense, potentially. But let's talk about that with Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus. Uh, Eric, you wrote a crazy piece with far too much math called How Fragile is Defense? A look at the effect of stars versus depth on game outcomes. And I'm very interested in this because right now, Eric, the Vikings have stars in Daniil Hunter, in Harrison Smith, in Eric Kendricks, but... In terms of depth, they are really lacking players, and when they start making cap moves, they could have almost no one. So should they feel still good about having these several stars in key places or not good that the depth is going to be hard to stack up here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's not as good of a situation as some people think. You know, when we you know, we were both at the scouting combine last week, and, you know, as I was thinking about putting together my mock, which will be out in a couple, you know, Monday, I think, my first ever mock draft, guys. Uh, I was thinking to myself, okay, these teams that are trying to rebuild, how much does actually getting a guy like Chase Young really affect things? Or Jeffrey Okuda, uh, or at the Vikings spot, you know, in the 20s, does getting a really, really good cornerback matter, or should they trade down? Because we've, we've seen it already, right? They're a team with great depth defensively and good stars. And over the course of the past few years, you've seen, you know, Terrence Newman retire. You've seen, you're probably going to see Anthony Harris and J. Ron leave. You've seen Chad Greenway retire, Brian Robinson, Sheldon Richardson. And you start to see teams can attack the weaknesses that they have. In, in, you know, you had Dallas was the perfect example. Trey Waynes goes inactive. They literally throw the ball at Mike Hughes like 17 times. And so what I wanted to ask, you know, as a, you know, thinking about that as a combine, I was like, okay, we're building teams here. What team, you know, how how valuable are these really big superstars in defense? And I think it's less so than people imagine. It sort of reminds me of the NBA a little bit, where you can have 
three or four good players out there on defense, but if you have one bad one, they're going to switch you into that bad person against their good player every time because opposing offenses know how to do this. And that feels the same way here with Xavier Rhodes last year, where we saw as teams started to figure out that he couldn't run the same way that he used to or that he committed penalties at an even higher rate than he used to, they just started throwing at him. And that night when they played Washington, the first half of that game, Case Keenum was attacking Xavier Rhodes and moving the football. And for a minute there, I thought, are they going to lose this game and Rhodes is going to get targeted 20 times? So I, I can totally see how this works out. And you write that it appears defensive performance uh, in coverage is about your worst graded player just as much as it's about the star. So that doesn't look super promising for the Vikings at this moment because they're going to be trying to draft people to fill spots. They're going to be looking bargain basement for guys who could come in. If the top corners are going to make 13, 14, 15 plus million dollars like Byron Jones or James Bradbury, then how do you fill it out here? I mean, there isn't a great answer. Yeah, I do think, though, that what it does is it releases you from the malaise of saying, ah, we can't afford a Byron Jones, we can't afford a... Because three years ago, teams were like, oh, man, we can't afford Trumaine Johnson, or we can't <laughs> afford, you know... And you look at, like, the top paid corners, like A.J. Bouye was one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL just, like, two or three years ago, and, you know, the instability in coverage, he struggles for a year, and now Denver can get him for a fourth-round pick... Richard Sherman had the smallest of troughs in his career in many ways due to injury. He gets a pretty nice deal with San Francisco, and he's back to being one of the best corners in the NFL. So I do think that it's one of those things where will the Vikings think this way? Probably not, as you wrote about earlier this week. But but if they choose to, there's a path to relevancy that is not – uh, that far away because their goal shouldn't be to replace 2017 Xavier Rhodes. Their goal shouldn't be to, uh, you know, to get Anthony Harris's production over the last few years. It's really to get yourself on the green at those positions and then trust your coach, who's still one of the best defensive minds in football, uh, to make it all work. And I think that that's more attainable for the Vikings than replacing some of the guys who used to be superstars for them. Well, that's what I was going to ask about, is just how much does it matter that Zimmer has this long history of getting more out of defense than appears to be there? I think he's had one defense that was outside the top 10 in scoring since he was in Cincinnati, and even years when he was in Cincinnati, and that was 2014 where they were 11th. And and there's got to be a connection there to his brilliance as a defensive mind and how much he can impact it to also having a lot of star talent. And I think it has been a little bit hard to separate which is which because when you go to each level of the defense in 2017, it's pro bowlers, pro bowlers, pro bowlers. And as it's fallen off a little, you know, they're fifth last year, really good to be fifth, but it felt like they were also beatable at times when Brandon Allen gets off to a big lead on you. And, you know, there were other great performances against them, like what Matt Stafford did. But uh, then he comes through in the playoffs against New Orleans and is incredible with scheming against Drew Brees and slowing down that New Orleans offense. So how much can he impact this if they aren't great at every level? Yeah, I mean, Matt Moore, a career journeyman, probably journeyman Hall of Fame, went ahead and, and took Tyree Kill and picked on Trey Wayne for an entire game at Arrowhead, right? It's, it is literally just your worst link. And, uh, you know, but I think what this brings it back to, to sort of speak to Kansas City as well, if you look at their defense from a talent perspective, it's not going to wow you. 
the things that they did is, A, they added a defensive coordinator who has had a track record of getting better than the sum of the parts. They they shored up the weaknesses. So, you know, if you're looking at the, the, the Chiefs middle linebacker, Anthony Hitchens was the worst player in football in 2018. They take him off the field except when he's actually good, which is run defense and early downs, and they see a huge uptick in their ability to cover running backs. If you look at Minnesota, where is that? Well, they can't get any pressure from the three technique. If you literally just took Shamar Stephan's spot and put in an average three technique, you're probably going to see substantial increase in value because the team doesn't have to completely neglect him, and then they can add players, you know, or they can't take players and add them to the protection against Hunter and, and Griffin and so forth. So, um, yeah, there are just some spots where I, I do think, you know, Zimmer's terrific. And, and defensive coordinators, that's where they really add their value is to accentuate strengths and, and dampen weaknesses. And, and so if you're a Vikings fan, you got to be a, have a little bit of confidence there. My concern, if I'm a Vikings fan, though, is that they're going to say, no, we need to get some stars on this defense, mm-hmm, and sure. it comes at the expense of everything else on the offensive side where they need wide receivers still or offensive line help. They need to help Kirk out quite a bit. And it comes at the expense of patching of holes, for example, at cornerback or at that second safety spot. Well, in recent history, it does say that they're, they will overpay when it doesn't seem to be a prudent thing to do. And that's the Anthony Barr situation right there that, yep. you know, paying him in double digits for salary cap is just not worth it considering what he produces. And, and I know that you can't really look at his sack numbers, but even by what you guys bring in terms of grading, in terms of coverage numbers, there isn't a whole lot to suggest that he's one of the better players at his position. And even if he was, it might be questionable if that was even worth it for a linebacker in today's game. Um, so that's, I guess that's part of my question is how they should deal with Barr going forward. The other part would be, how bad can you be? Like, what's the, at your worst position, what is the, you can only be this bad or it's really going to kill you? Because I think I know that how bad Xavier Rhodes was last year, that will kill you. But, what, like, is it, you have to be somewhere near average for your worst player? You could be kind of bad? Like, how does that work? Yeah, the thing with Barr that's so troubling is that he plays a position where the eggs are all in one basket. Um, you know, if you if you sign Barr and he's the worst linebacker in the NFL, you can't really t- put him at. They have shown no impetus to put him at defensive end, or he can't play safety. Whereas there are safeties for days in the free agent market, and you can play them at Barr's position, or you can play them deeper, you can play them in the slot. There's a ton of like things where again, it's it's anti fragile in that sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's really you don't want replacement level guys out there. You don't want practice squad guys out there. Um, unless they're, you know, never, right? And and the issue is there's some hot spots on the defense, for example, outside corner, there's not a whole lot you can do if the guy sucks. Um, uh, I think, you know, defensive end's another one. Like, very rarely can you scheme pressure um, from an out, like a guy that, you know, the Everson Griffin spot or Frank Clark spot, if we're talking about. The only time I've ever seen that happen really is in New England. Even Detroit tried that last year and failed miserably uh, to generate pressure uh, you know, from a manufacturing sense. So to me, it's those positions where guys don't have a ton of flexibility, you know, safety, interior players, edge players that can swing in and out, a la Michael Bennett. Those guys offer some risk mitigation because if they fail at their normal position, they can offer value at another position. So um, at those positions, I think you can be a little worse because you can sort of play games with them. At positions like, as I said, Tremaine Johnson, like he goes, you sign him to be your outside corner, he stinks, there's not a whole lot you can do with him. Um, I think the same thing would be true about like a you know a defensive end. If Everson Griffin comes back next year and for some reason he can't play because he 
you know, is old, you know, he's over the hill, they're screwed because there's not a whole lot you can do with a you know, sort of an aging defensive end who's lost fastball. So it's it depends upon the position, but I, I would just say like practice squad level guys just shouldn't be playing all the time. Talking with Eric Eager, his article, How Fragile Is Defense? A look at the effect of stars versus depth on game outcomes is truly mathematical and incredibly fascinating. And I also think that the Vikings, in terms of their defense, why I wouldn't panic about it entirely yet, and they should probably trust themselves, is that they have been developing guys. Like Afadi Adenabo has been developed over a number of years by this team and now appears ready to be a starter. And Zimmer said he's ready to be a starter. But as you mentioned, they just have a tendency to love the players that they have and want to keep them. And I think if we did a redux uh, of last year's, um, or, or I guess a, a, a deep dive into last year's offseason, we would look at it and go, yeah, you shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have done this. And the, the this is being loyal to Xavier Rhodes. You shouldn't have yep. probably even been loyal as good as Everson Griffin was maybe to him or to Linval Joseph or to whoever else that was showing you that they weren't going to be the same. So I think that they have to trust who they've developed and try not to make the same mistakes over again. Yeah, it's really hard because this time of the year, I mean, we, we often judge GM. I remember this Ian Rappaport tweet when, you know, Saquon Barkley won rookie of the year in 2018. And he said, you know, this validates a pick a lot of people questioned. And I said, well, no, you don't draft player. You don't draft players to win awards. You don't draft players as entities. You draft wins. And, and the thing, and the hard part is, is Zimmer has developed great players. I mean, Everson Griffin's career is a, is a Vikings ring of honor career. And, and it's something that he, you know, Zimmer should really be proud of as taking a chance on him in 2014 when he had, you know, barely any, you know, experience as a starter. Danelle Hunter is somebody, again, who Zimmer should be really proud of, Harrison Smith. But those players as entities, they have to, they have to correspond to wins. And unfortunately on defense, like individual players just simply don't generate wins, uh, you know, the way that, you know, quarterbacks do. We, you like, we like to judge quarterbacks on wins because, it's a pretty good barometer. It's pretty, they correlate pretty well. But on defense, it's, it's the collective. And unfortunately, if you neglect the collective in, in, you know, in awe of, you know, individual players that, you know, in a vacuum are terrific, sometimes you miss the forest for the trees. Eric, um, great piece, by the way. And I'll be really interested to see if they do tweak their strategy a bit here. And Zimmer did acknowledge that they have to let go of some players just because the salary cap exists. So Anthony Harris is likely not back here. I wouldn't be surprised if Joseph isn't back. Seems like they want Griffin. Um, and, and that is a little bit of a move that would come along with some risk. But an edge rusher is important if you can bring him back. Um, but I do wonder if they change the approach a little bit just because of what they went through last year. I wanted to ask you about what I wrote. I know you read it um, at scorenorth.com about the Vikings and analytics and their front office. Rick Spielman has made it very clear how progressive they want to be when it comes to the draft and using data and using studies and everything else to try and get it right as much as they possibly can. And on the coaching side, there's some pushback there and Zimmer even talked about it at the podium that you know sometimes when the analytics department tells him that he should have done something differently, he tells them too bad. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I wonder, I wonder what you think about how far coaches are in the NFL versus front offices when it comes to accepting analytics. Well, 
you know, I think the way that the Vikings are set up, it's probably okay in the sense that, you know, you don't have one decision maker, right? I mean, the the best decisions are an ensemble of a bunch of independent ideas. It's this way idea of the wisdom of the crowd. So if Zimmer was if Zimmer was told what to do by the analytics, that wouldn't be good either, right? Because Zimmer has a great deal of expertise in his part of like he understands football. He'll probably he's probably forgotten more about football than than I know, right? But you know, and I know that they their analytics people are pretty sharp, and I know and I know uh, Spielman you know relies on them for a lot of things. Um, the issue becomes, you know, during the game, the head coach does have autonomy over the decisions, and that's where I think it can be difficult, right? When it comes to drafting players, Zimmer has his input, uh, you know, Scott and all those guys in the analytics department at, at, you know, for the Vikings have their input, and then Spielman has his, and the scouts have theirs. And if you, you take the average of all those opinions, you get pretty good drafting, which is what you've seen with Minnesota for the most part. But on the field, that's where it's tricky because, you know, he, it's kind of like, you know, this is my lineup. This is my, you know, this is my, my domain. And unfortunately, you know, despite the fact that Zimmer, I think, has pretty good intuition, it only takes a couple plays. It only takes a couple plays here and there. That's the difference between, you know, being 11 and five and getting a, you know, possibly winning a division and getting a bye and being 10 and six and having to play on the road in the first round of the playoffs. You're, the edges are so small, um, that, you know, having a coach that sort of, results too much you know calling the fourth and one against washington the worst decision he's ever made um you know when it was actually the right decision just the wrong outcome uh, i think can be harmful for the team and so hopefully you know the on the field stuff changes but i think from a from the perspective of like everything in terms of being an intelligent team the vikings are certainly above average in the nfl it just hopefully will translate to the on the field decisions uh, you know, in the coming years. Well, and there's no question about that. And I included that in the article that, you know, they've won a lot of football games with Mike Zimmer as their yep. coach. So it's not like this is demolishing them that some fourth down decisions or how much they want to run would be disagreed with in the analytics department. But I also think part of it is, you know, if if you're all pulling in the same direction and one person is saying, well, I don't know if I want to pull in that. It depends on if I feel like it or not. Um, then you can end up with a little yeah. bit of, you know, I guess, friction when it comes to that. I do wonder what you think um, about when it comes to certain teams being ahead right now, if they'll stay ahead or if there's a new wave sort of coming. So a good example would be Baltimore and Philadelphia. They go for it a lot on fourth down, and they're two of the more aggressive teams. They have progressive head coaches, and they're good, and they overachieve a lot or win, you know, at least in Baltimore's case, win more than anybody thought they were going to win this year, building an offense around Lamar Jackson, all reeks of being modern. Um, Are more teams like that coming? Because those two kind of stand out to me right now. But I think if you are hanging on to this, I'll go for it when I want to go for it, that other teams are going to get a small percentage advantage over you that might be the difference between playoffs and not. I mean, you don't have to look as far. Like, those two teams are sure. And, and, you know, Philadelphia, I think, has some issues with their play calling. But as far as, like, the way that they draft, develop, go for it on fourth down, they're terrific. I don't – the Baltimore Ravens really don't have a weakness from an analytical perspective. Their only issue is, obviously, the results weren't the way that they wanted this year. You even look at the Super Bowl. You know, the Chiefs obviously have the – have the, you know, the advantage player in Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid as head coach. But traditionally, Reid has been very conservative on fourth down. And all it took in the Super Bowl, they went for two fourth and ones that, you know, got them some points that I think were huge towards the end of that game. Um, whereas when the 49ers, they kicked on a fourth and two uh, to go up 13-10 instead of trying to go up 17-10. 
and then at the end of the half, they were really conservative with their timeout and basically cost themselves three to seven points at the end of the half against the Chiefs. Those are sort of the, again, like, I think when the big gains are to be made where the Vikings have already made them, which is drafting and developing and, and having getting an edge on every single draft pick that you have, the low-hanging fruit is is literally what Zimmer is 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 you know is turning his uh, his head away from, which is just go for it a little bit more in fourth and one, right? Andy Reid, like just like he just you know threw caution to the wind a couple of times in the Super Bowl, and and Kyle Shanahan did not. It probably cost San Francisco the game and and gave the Kansas City Chiefs the World Championship. And you know for Vikings fans, you're you're not worried about being relevant. This team's been relevant as long as we've been alive. It, it's it's going from being relevant to being a Super Bowl champion. And, and granted, it's a little bit facetious because the Chiefs have Mahomes, but it literally is not that much work just to be a little bit more aggressive on the edges. Uh, and, and some of the teams are there. I think perception is a little bit ahead of ourselves. I think there's probably a handful to half a dozen teams that are really leaning in uh, to analytics and any anywhere close to where they are in baseball and basketball. And the rest of the teams are either – kind of playing lip service to it or catching up. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a while before it's it's as efficient as some of those other sports, but I think we're certainly moving in the right direction. Well, um, I think that when it comes to – it's also – there's a little bit of a misconception when it comes to the fourth down thing that some people seem to think that the analytics just says go for it every time. And it's really, it's really not it. It's more of a – it's just a closer look when you put it under a microscope. It shows you that coaches aren't aggressive enough with it and they're a little too afraid of the risks. That's, that's really what it's about. It might be like if you were driving your car – 15 miles an hour below the speed limit and you said you know i mean all the studies we've ever done said that you can go 45 and a 45 you don't have to go 30 that's kind of what this is like with fourth downs but it can swing some games and even one in the kansas city game they get on the other side of the field they punt it away one play later it's a 91 yard touchdown run for the chiefs and you know if they get a first down there maybe they score and that game is different so uh eric well your article is mind-blowing at pff.com how fragile is defense the PFF forecast podcast with you and George Hurry outstanding. So I'm glad on a Friday you could uh, check in here. Um, kind of an unusual time for you to stop in. Usually we have PFF guests on Wednesday. So I appreciate the extra time, Eric. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have a good weekend. Yep, for sure. You too. Everyone can have a great weekend here when it's warm, and I'm going away for the weekend just in time for it to be warm here. Yep. I'll be Every trapped in the studio here tomorrow. Time. Every time. So think about what my luck has been recently. Indianapolis, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, all right, well, at very worst, it'll be 45, 50. That'll feel like summer compared to this. I go to Indy. It's fine in Minnesota, normal weather. And in Indy, it's 30 and snowing. Yep. Great. Okay. So then plan this little getaway here. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going somewhere warm. This is going to be outstanding Screw you, Minnesota, and your cold, terrible weather. I'm going to be someplace warm. And the temperature is going to be the same. 60 degrees. Darn it. You should just leave more often. <laughs> and then when I come back, the temperature is going back down. <laughs> I was looking today. I'm like, come on. you got to be kidding me. I thought, well, if I get back and it's spring, then that will be rather pleasant. But um, no. Nope. It's not. not uh, real quick, Joel Gad's going to come in here in a second. Austin Eckler signed a four-year deal with the Chargers, which means Melvin Gordon is going to hit the market. And I don't know if this really says anything about Delvin Cook because he's kind of on a different level from how we would view Austin Eckler. 
But Austin Eckler, surprisingly awesome. And I'm sure if you're a fantasy player, you were like, no, you know who he is and you mm-hmm. were picking him up and panicking to get him when Melvin Gordon was holding out last year. But this guy, when it comes to his impact on the passing game, was remarkable. 92 catches last year when throwing his way, Phillip Rivers had 124.1 quarterback rating and he averaged over 10 yards a catch. And they sign him to a fairly reasonable deal. This is the type of situation that I would want for Delvin Cook if the Vikings were going to re-sign him. Somebody they're going to throw the ball 90 times to and average 11 yards a throw. And he's still going to run, and he's still going to be good at running, but that's not the main feature necessarily. Like Austin Eckler averaged 4.2 yards a carry, which everyone in the world does, and he was a good runner and he rushed the ball 132 times. I'm not saying I would put it that low for Delvin Cook. I would want it to be a little bit higher than that. But if he ended up as a 1,000,000 type of player, or even was short of a 1,000 yards rushing, but had 1,200 yards receiving because they throw to him all the time, then he's worth the contract you're going to give to him. If you're running him 300 times a year, and he's gaining 4.6 as opposed to whoever else would gain 4.2, That's just not worth the contract extension. If I'm Delvin Cook, I'm going into the conversation with the Vikings saying, let's make sure that we're using me in a way, A, that's not going to run me into the ground and I'm going to be out of the league in three years, but also in a way that is worth it and helps us win. That's all I got on Austin Eckler. My question is, why does he sign it now when the CBA is still not signed? If that CBA gets signed... He could earn more money. Yeah, potentially, but not for a couple years. I mean, if they're going to 17 games, it's not until 2021. He signs a four-year deal. So, yeah, it would take him into that time. But there's also the element of you just caught 92 passes. You're Austin Eckler. You're an undrafted free agent running back, and they're offering you $15 million guaranteed. That's pretty life-changing type of cash. True. And if you're going to run them all the way to the end of it, you know what's going to happen, right? They're going to do the same thing to you that they did to Melvin Gordon. They're going to say, have fun in free agency, and you, it's, you're you going to have a tough time getting super paid if you're him anyway. So I understand why he decided to take that deal. But it is a sign of the times to some extent that running backs, even when they catch 92 passes, can only bring in, what is it, $26 million over four years. All right, Judd Zolgad comes in next. Uh, you're listening to Purple Daily on a Friday here on Score North. Got something to say, something to get off your chest. Leave us a mic drop message on the Score North app. More new deep dives are available on Minnesota Sports Rewind, including two new episodes on the Johan Santana trade and the craziest season in Vikings history. Minnesota Sports Rewind available on the Score North app, Apple and Spotify. Jonathan here with the Score North download. You can listen and win with the free Score North mobile app this month. One lucky winner will win a $200 gift card to Best Buy just for having and using the Score North app. All you have to do is register the UR app, listen to your favorite Score North content, and you could be a winner. Uh, one of our favorite things here, reckless speculation. We did it all first hour with Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, everything NFL free agency related. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, who will be on with Mackie and Judd at 510 this afternoon, had some reckless Tom Brady speculation on Get Up This Morning, including our favorite mystery team entering the conversation now 
sources on this. I was told the Titans believe that they have a pretty good chance in a head-to-head matchup with the Patriots to land Tom Brady. I'm also told that there's a mystery team, a third team, that's firmly <laughs> in the mix. All right, so cue the music. Uh, but the Titans right now, they still value Ryan Tannehill, but I'm told Tannehill wants a lot of money as a free agent. We're talking maybe $30 million a year, and he should because he earned it. Now they're trying to deal with him, trying to deal with Brady at the same time, and they only have a few days to figure it out. The boys' Minnesota State High School hockey tournament continues all weekend long with semifinal and championship round action from the XL Energy Center. Follow all of the action today and tomorrow on 45TV and online at 45TV.com. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment of the day of Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad here. Final segment for me this Friday. And uh, Zolgad will be on with Mackie and Judd Rami from 4 to 6. And you will talk with Jeremy Fowler yes. at 510 about That's Tom Brady's plan. plans to come to Minnesota. <laughs> well, he's a mystery team. I don't see any problem with talking about it because why not? They don't play games until September. There is a path to get there. So... Why not? Well, who do we Why hold? Why not imagine? Who do we, in 2020, Matthew, who do we hold accountable now as you can't go there? Hmm. Like ESPN's programming is filled with going there. So after them, do we say, but <laughs> you can't do it, right? It, it's also sort of what the NFL is built on in yeah. a lot of ways because the offseason is so long that 80% of the coverage is... What if this happened? I mean, this goes into training camp. What if this team is good this year? Is basically every conversation we have. What if this guy has a down year? What if this guy gets hurt? What if this quarterback is better in his system? That's everything with the NFL. So I'm cool with having the conversation as long as we acknowledge that, you know, it's probability of happening is less than 5%. Yeah. But I think I said three. Since. This is always my rule. Since Favre came here, anything's on the table. Yes. You would have never dreamed in a million years when he was a Packer that he would someday be a Minnesota Viking in the NFC Championship. And I can't can't tell you throughout the course of the Vikings' initial pursuit of Favre, uh, which would have been, what, after 2007, in 2008, I can't tell you how many people were like, well, it's never going to happen. I don't even care if Brett wants to come there. It's never going to happen. I'm like... Okay, I guess it won't happen probably. And then guess what? In 2009, he retired so that he could basically then rope-a-dope his way here, (laughs) and it happened. And from that day on, I'm with you. You can't dismiss anything. Let's talk about this, though, That um, as it pertains to the quarterback situation with the Vikings, which is that they have one for 2020, who is good, um, but they don't know still what is going to happen after that. And even though the conversation at the Combine sounded very much to me like Kirk Cousins would be signing a contract extension at some point, potentially really soon to lower his cap hit to be able to get other players on the free agent market and improve the offensive line, all that is what I would still bet on. This thing could go into the summer. You've dealt with this before, but... You know, same here where we talk, oh, is Diggs even going to sign? Is he going to hold out? Is is Rudolph going to hold out or demand a trade? And what usually happens is after the draft, they get something done with guys, and then they announce them at training camp, and everyone goes forward happy. That would also be on in the category of would bet on for Kirk Cousins. But the question here is twofold with this contract extension for Cousins. Part one mm-hmm. is... Can you upgrade somehow, whether it's this year or in the future? 
whether that's this year or trading up for Tua or drafting Jordan Love, if that's your guy or whatever. Can you be better at some point soon at the quarterback position? That Can you go the Mahomes route? That's a thing that you're going to consider. And then there's the other part of it is, does Kirk Cousins view Minnesota as a place where he wants to end his career? Does he want to be a quarterback who played for two franchises, one that didn't really commit to him, another one that went all in on Kirk, and then he spent 10 years as a Viking and they made some playoffs and maybe they got a few shots to win the Super Bowl in his next big contract? Does he want that? Does he want to reset the quarterback market again or wait till Mahomes gets paid and then see what he could possibly get? Does he love Minnesota and want to stay here? Does he wish he was in the Bay Area? Does he you know, like? Does he wish he was with Kyle Shanahan instead of Mike Zimmer and sure. Jerry Kubiak? That is the hardest thing to know here when it comes to a Cousins extension. I think we know how the Vikings view this as when we run through our other options, it's hard to find too many that are better. But when Cousins looks at it, I don't know what his formula is for signing an extension or not. Yeah, but that then dovetails into how the Vikings feel about him and how certain pro- people probably feel. Like, let's say Kirk is does say, I'd like to reset the market. There's got to be people in Egan who are going to be like, well, good luck doing that, but you're not going to do it here. You know, I think that the um, piece that you wrote at scorenorth.com yesterday about Zim and analytics and how he feels about those things and clearly how Rick feels about those things, don't you get the gut feeling that that, that your um, story might have painted the picture on a few subjects? So I, I don't know that I do. I think that there's people in Egan that like Kirk Cousins. Absolutely. Do I think that's across the board? They're sold on him as their guy. I don't know about that. I think there's a lot of people who probably feel a lot of different ways. And, and it's funny because for as milk toast as Kirk Cousins comes off as a person, he is a lightning rod. Like Kirk Cousins in the two years here, how does he make you feel? Some days you're like, oh, he can make throws. This is really good. And some days you say, this guy has no chance. You're never going to win a Super Bowl with him. You've been to a playoff, yes. and you won a playoff game. Fantastic. You've missed the playoffs completely, and he choked in the game against the Bears that the Bears were sitting guys. So do I think that there is this certainty? Like when you watch Stefan Diggs play, I think the majority of people can say, he might be a pain in the butt sometimes, but darn, he's good. And boy, would I sign him. I think Kirk Cousins is far more, not even on purpose, a divisive player, causing people in positions of authority to probably have very different opinions how they observe and think about him. Can't you see people in the Vikings front office going to their Thanksgiving dinners or whatever it might be, their family gatherings, their barbecues in the summer, and people, family members coming up to them being like, I just don't see it with Kirk. Mm -hmm. And then another family member hears it and goes, what do you mean? He threw for 4,000 yards. You see the Saints game? (laughs) You see the Superdome? He made that throw. He proved he can win. Uh, Yeah, I... That has been my sense for a while now that there is disagreement on how Cousins is viewed even within the front office, and I think that that's natural. I mean, I've said this before, you've said this before, a lot of things that you think at home as a fan watching is the same thing the front office is debating itself. And even if that's not what they say publicly, behind the scenes, they're having that conversation. Myron and I argued over how much bigger an upgrade Jimmy Garoppolo would be over Kirk Cousins, and... It's it's very hard to say right. because Cousins is good, and he puts you in the hardest place to be. We were talking with Jeff Rieger yesterday from Detroit. Mm-hmm. Matt Stafford is the hardest place to be. 
Because everyone would agree that Matt Stafford is a good quarterback, but that's not usually the question you're asking. Right. How much can we really win, and how much does it cost to get that much production out of that player? And the Vikings also have executives, a coach who um, the clock is ticking when it comes to pressure. You know, it's not like McVay, hey, you had a great year and then sort of a down year, but that's okay, Sean, you're young and you're going to be great. Um Spielman and Zim, as far as we know right now, unless something has changed behind the scenes, are going to be going into the last year of their contracts. That's a huge deal. And furthermore, if you're Mike, hopefully you still have a long time on earth left, but but years-wise of coaching, you can't be like, well, in eight years, we're going to do this. Sure. You know, yeah. he's what, 63 or so. So all of those things are going to be contributing factors, too, to looking at your quarterback, the most important position in sports, right, Matthew? Mm-hmm. And saying, do I think this guy can do this now? You know, it's it's not Jared Goff we could debate, right? Like Jared Goff in four years might be unbelievable. But Kirk Cousins, I think we know what he can do. Mm-hmm. I think he's a nice player. But if you if you are Mike Zimmer or Kubiak comes to you and is like, you know, Mike, I, I like him, but he can't do this and that, then you are at a crossroads of saying, well, I don't have really time to mess with this. And I'm also looking at it from the Cousins' perspective, too, because we always assume that he wants to stay. But if he feels like he's not entirely wanted, which he definitely felt like in Washington, or if he feels like I'm the savvy, brilliant businessman who's going to get the most money I can, which I I will always say that I don't criticize at all, because every one of us at our jobs will always try to get as much money as we're possibly worth, and that's what, what we'll try to do. So you can't say to somebody else, hey, don't try to get what your employer is going to pay you mm-hmm. and also the Vikings are making money hand over fist as the rest of the NFL so they can afford to pay him. So that's just like that part of it. It's not a criticism to say Kirk wants to get the absolute most he could possibly get. Right. But he strikes you that way because he did it last time. Yeah. And because and he, he got it. And because he put it on television. That he put it on TV in a documentary that he tried to play the Jets against the Vikings because he knew that the Jets would try to overbid everybody and the Vikings were the place he wanted to go. So why wouldn't he try to do that again? Mm -hmm. And also, I would say this too. Kirk is a pretty savvy guy in terms of understanding the league, understanding teams. His agent knows what he's doing that if they're having these conversations, what do we want to sign for? How long do we want to sign? The same conversations you and I have been having about rebuilding the defense, about potentially trading Stephon Diggs or who's going to stay, reworking the offensive line. These are the conversations he would be having, too, is what is the outlook if I stay with this team and take up most of their cap space? Right? Is the outlook that hey, we're going to win the NFC North year after year over the next three to five years that I'm signing a contract extension, or Mm -hmm. is it not? And that is a hard question to answer because I could make an argument both ways. I could make an argument that the Bears will screw themselves with Trubisky or get Andy Dalton and, like, congratulations. Detroit is Detroit, and Green Bay is not going to ever get a better version of Aaron Rodgers than they got this year. The is what he is for now, and he's probably going to fade, and then who knows who their quarterback is after that. So you could argue three next three years, Vikings should be right there in the mix. You could also argue that enough players fall apart that you could be the Jaguars. Well, and and to your point about Kirk playing the Jets against the Vikings a couple of years ago and being very successful at doing so, that was all predicated on him having no interest in signing with the Jets but driving the market itself. And so my question would be, because Kirk is not a dumb guy. And so would Kirk be thinking, 
you know, I signed with the Vikings two years back because the window in my mind with that roster, and he's right, was open for success, right? And so basically his, I think his theory was, I can eat most of their cap room, but the team's so good around me potentially in his mind that he thought I can win a Super Bowl. So does he now look at that and think, I want to break the bank again, but if I do it there again, yeah, you know what? It's going to eat up too much cap room now, and we're not going to be able to have people around me. So working this backwards, because if you're the Vikings, you would say, Kirk, why don't you take a pay cut to help us out? Where Kirk might say, you know what I'm going to do? Or at least in Kirk's mind, what I'm going to do is play you against somebody else that I think will actually outbid you or come close to your bid, where I see the same opportunity to pounce with a roster that he deems to be good enough. If they, I mean, there's a lot of weird things that could happen here. Well, right. I mean, that's the thing is there's so much at play with an extension that it's hard to expect an extension to come soon, which means when I'm on vacation Monday through Wednesday next week, it will happen. Well, what if they trade they're, him? They're going to trade three what, times. What if he waves the, what if he waves gonna, the no trade he's clause? Wa- right. He's waving the no trade. There's all sorts of rumors. You know this is going to happen. This will teach me to step away for three, three days way tra- in early March. Three-way trade of some sort. Of I thought... Huh? My thought was about this schedule, how things worked out this year with free agency starting later was, oh, good, get a little, you know, in between covering the combine and the yeah. free agent no. madness, no, craziness. You, Maybe I could just... Bad idea. Time off requests. Well, my phone NFL, will still be on. Um, <laughs> my Brett Favre years, I'll tell you right now, any time off I took, Brett decided to make a move that day. Every time, yeah. That's, that's how it goes. I was just uh, bemoaning the weather and how it's going to be nice this weekend when I leave. So... Great. Um, Anyway, uh, I wanted to ask your opinion on rebuilding the defense because we had a long conversation, Eric Eager and I, early in the show about when you're rebuilding a defense, his numbers, his deep dive analysis found that you have to make sure that you're only as strong as your weakest link, that just having stars does not carry you, which is kind of different than how I thought of it before, to tell you the truth. I thought if you had a couple of great players, you could fill in the rest of the pieces. But last year really showed us that it's the opposite. If you have one player that's greatly struggling, opposing teams will just pound on that. And they did that with Xavier Rhodes last year. They controlled the clock against the Vikings by throwing short on him. They took advantage of his lack of speed to close the gap by throwing deep on him. Mm -hmm. They got first downs because he was committing penalties. And the defense only improved when they started to play Mike Hughes, who was average, but average was a huge jump from bad. And uh, I'm looking at it as in the rebuild as I think people want them to spend money in free agency on defense. But if you feel that you've developed average players at their positions, like Holton Hill, like Mike Hughes, like Jaleel Johnson, for example, if he could be an average player at defensive tackle or your rotation, that that's kind of good enough. And you don't want to say, we're going to spend all of our money on Byron Jones because he's going to fix all of our problems. That's where you could get yourself in trouble. What do you think of that? That's interesting. So we're so we're actually saying that that you, you remove the weakest of the weak links, but you don't replace them then with huge upgrades and potential stars. You take developmental guys who you actually like and have worked with and plug them in. Now, now to Eric's point, too, Matthew, did we find out, was this across the board true at positions? Because the cornerback position, corner reminds me of a place where if you're not good and you've dropped off as far as Rhodes did, you're going to be exploited completely because you're on an island and you're obviously matched up against um, receivers who are very good. So let's say you're, um, 
let's say Linval Joseph, his play has declined. I still think he's good, but his play has declined. Is that as big of a death knell, or are we talking about certain positions where you can be exploited consistently? And if Joseph drops off, I'm not saying that that does not impact the run game against you. It certainly does. But watching um, Rhodes get picked on last year, I mean, we saw for the press box. It was just abundantly clear. Washington did it. I think the good example there would be with Trey Waynes over the years that when they've been really, really strong with star talent all over the field. So that's different because we're talking about how good you need to be to win, which is, uh, and to make yourself a competitor, which is usually about the 10th best defense in the league is the cutoff. If you're much worse than that, your offense better be Atlanta 2016 or Minnesota Vikings 1998. Like you better be really, really good on offense if you're going to have a bad defense. If you have a top, let's say you have a, the fifth best offense. You could have the 10th or 12th best defense and still be a Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. So getting to that cutoff is you know, probably more of the conversation. If you're going to be great, then you, know, you have to have superstar-level players. But it, you know, if the question is, I guess, where is that cutoff? Like yeah. how, how, how bad can it be? Well, and which guys and, and, and which positions Eric, are more important? That, that's what yeah. I was asking. Right. Was Eric saying that if you have a steep decline at any position, it can be exploited to the point of you losing football games? Or are we talking about um, cornerbacks who, obviously, if they're not good, you're going to be in huge trouble? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think the corner is the one that makes the most sense, as in would hurt you the most. Uh, edge rusher, probably too. Yep. If you have an edge Agreed. rusher who is absolutely atrocious and, we and can't get anywhere near the quarterback. A long line of them here a long time ago. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we've lived in a world that has Everson Griffin and yeah. Daniel Hunter here for a while. Um, but when you have really atrocious players at the edge rusher, it's very easy for quarterbacks to have clean pockets and sit back there and throw. And the same goes if your corner can't cover anyone. If your worst corner can't cover anyone, you're in a lot of trouble. So I think those two more than linebackers and maybe more than safeties. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also get where you, Eric is coming from. It's as an in, interesting topic. You can't have anyone who is atrocious. Sure. And that's the concern with even drafting someone. Because you think about when they drafted Mackenzie Alexander, the times they tried to play him in his first year, he was atrocious. And then he got better and better and turned out to be an average NFL player, which is good. <clears throat> But in his first year, when he would go in the game, what was the first thing they would do? Just throw at him and throw at him and throw at him. And had great success. And that's where, if the Vikings are going to draft players to fill spots... You can't... You're not going to draft... You might draft a corner in the first round, and I'm not going to be surprised. But I don't think there's any way that they're going to do that to fill an immediate starter spot. There's no way they can. Hughes has to play. Hughes and Holton... Holton Hill or Boyd, I think, has to develop and play. And... Listen, if they're good, that's fine. But I think Mike Hughes is one of the most important single players on this team's roster as far as can you stay healthy. And you are a first-round pick. You need to develop and play. If Mike yeah. Hughes can't stay healthy and or and or because he's been hurt now twice falls off, that is a monumental problem. It would be, especially if you don't have depth at that position. Yes. But I think the lesson that comes off of what Eric wrote is – as you're looking at these big names for free agency and you're getting excited about whoever it might be, bringing back Griffin is risky, or if it's Jadavian Clowney, who you really want, or Byron Jones or whomever, mm-hmm. that the route to go is to try and fill those positions with average players now, if you can, that are not super expensive and you can afford 
several of them. So fill the safety spot, get a cornerback who's a veteran who can play, get a nickel corner who can play, because that's really important too. Get a rotational edge rusher to mix with a Fadi Adenabo if you can't bring back Everson Griffin. And don't break the bank on one specific player and expect that player to raise everybody else's play. So if you got Byron Jones and you gave him $15, $17, million a year, do not expect him to raise the entire level of the defense by himself because you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, so you end up with whoever at the other cornerback or nobody playing safety or a rookie. If you rely on a rookie to play nickel corner, I wish you the best of luck because normally you're going to be in a really tough spot there. That's what they probably need to consider. So if they are going to spend, and I'm not going to be surprised, actually, if they don't, but if they clear enough cap space to spend when free agency starts on March 18th, at what position should they spend then? So if you're going to go out and make one splash... If you were going to, I think you avoid a splash. That's my well, take. Is you? I agree, but I'm saying, but but let's say they let's say they try and make one decent splash. Where would where would be the most logical position to make the splash at? Left tackle, I think. If you got Andrew Whitworth here, yep. or Jason Peters, even for a year, I'm willing to take that risk because I think Riley Reef has the same amount of a chance to get hurt as Jason Peters at this point. Uh, but if it was Whitworth with his great level of um, you know health for his career. I'd probably say it's on the offensive side if I'm going to say a splash. Okay. How can you make things better for your quarterback? Because that will impact your winning more than anything you do on the defensive side. If I'm the Vikings on the defensive side, I take, let's say I have 14 mil to work with on the defensive side, and we're going to sign a left guard who's average, which will be a huge upgrade from what they had last year. I'm not saying, hey, throw 14 mil at this corner, and then whoever at safety, and then whoever at the other corner, you're fine. I And whoever at edge rusher, and whoever at defensive tackle, I would say try to look for players who are more mid-pack, mm-hmm. more guys that get signed the week after or two weeks after, so you're not exciting your fan base. The old Ted throwing, Thompson bin. Well, that's, that's the Ted Thompson bin you're, you're not, shopping in you're not throwing, three weeks after. Yeah, you're not throwing a parade, but a lot of times that's where some of the deals that work out get done. So that it's not exciting. It's we're going to be doing I don't free agency the, madness. Here I think on you're the right show, though, but I don't think, think that's smarter. And I don't know why I feel this way, but my gut tells me just with their cap now, I don't think they're going to make a splash. I just don't. I don't think so either. I I don't think they could fill all the spots by making a splash on one player. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, I'm going to be off for a little bit, so you enjoy early next week. You I'll be on the phone happen. with you, know you some, when they acquire you know Brady. Something's gonna, you know something's going <laughs> to yes, happen. Yes, it is. Uh, Mackie and Judd with Ronnie. Nice work. We'll take time next, off. I'll see you next Thursday here on Purple Daily. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. 
And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.